Um, so Daniel 5, starting with verse 1, says this. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave away, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king's king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. And I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read the writing and make known to me this, its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken away from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his, ma his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. 
He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose all are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed, and this is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekal, and Parson. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekal, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Why isn't it fun when you get one of those really uplifting, enjoyable, easy passages, no particular challenge, just a good old encouragement? Well, on with this week's sermon. (laughs) Actually, I think there's a, a great encouragement in this passage for us. In fact, While on one hand there's a fantastic example of what not to do, and we all know that there are two great ways to learn in life. There's first-hand personal experience, and then there's watching somebody else and either seeing what's good, or more often seeing what's not, because I think we learn more from mistakes. But we've got the opportunity to learn from somebody else's mistakes with very little cost to ourselves. This story is kind of a story of two halves. We've got one character who is a fantastic example of Christian life and living, and we've got one example who just isn't really. And this morning, if you're looking for a a sermon title, if you're one of those people who take notes, uh, and we all know that they're a bit more blessed than the rest of us, Uh, My sermon title for you this morning is A Life Well Lived. And if you wanted a longer title, A Life Well Lived, An Excellent Servant and a Stupid Son would probably suffice. Well, I guess the reason a passage like this one might be hard for us to hear is that a passage like this one reiterates the issue of God's righteous judgment. Let me unpack that for a moment, otherwise it sounds like it's suddenly going to get really serious and really heavy, doesn't it? And I think there's an important warning and an important reality here 
But I think actually it's an encouragement to us to pursue faithful Christian living rather than a condemnation. And I think sometimes people assume that church is full of condemnation rather than encouragement. Or at least I sense that seems to be one of the ways the world thinks about the church rather than recognizing the life-giving joy, the joy of the Lord which is our strength, the freedom and grace we have in Jesus, that all things are permissible, but equally not all things are beneficial, and God's plan for us is a hope and a future. And that whole sentence is basically a collection of scriptures, and I could cite them for you. So those aren't just my words, but they are my words as encouragement to you, but I think they're scriptural. So we've got the issue of God's righteous judgment in this passage. Good old Neb's son, Belshazzar. We've heard all about Neb and his various troubles over the last couple of weeks. And if you've missed it, you can always tune in online, scroll through and get all caught up. This is our fifth week in the story of Daniel. And this year, this year, this week, we're looking, dear me, that could be a shock, couldn't it? This week, we're looking at the character of Belshazzar, or as I've been calling him in my sermon prep this week, Shazza. And so Shazza, bless him, is really just a thick boy. You know, sometimes you see a comedian, they make a joke about having a a thick child, and then if you're really lucky, you might be watching a comedian who's really quick with the one-liners, and they make a joke, and then they catch a parent doing a little sideways glance, or there's a, a moment of hilarity there, isn't there? Well, sadly, this story is, is rather short on hilarity, isn't it? I mean, the reason that, that Shaz is a thick son is that He's literally seen his dad go through a whole bunch of stuff. And if you haven't heard those stories, do listen back to the previous weeks and you can hear those stories. His dad has gone through a bunch of things when he disrespects God, when he doesn't honor the God of heaven and earth. When he does something stupid, God's judgment falls upon him and Notably in this story, notably in this story, this deliberate sin, this deliberate disrespect of God, taking the cups from the temple in Jerusalem for a party so that his people around him could have drinks from these, these glasses, is just such an obvious disrespect to God. And he's just seen his, his dad be made like a beast roaming around. Like, <laughs> this isn't a subtle hint, is it? I mean, sometimes I think, oh, well, you know, fair enough. If somebody didn't take away that bit of learning from that situation, fair enough. It was more complicated. Oh, it was easily misunderstood. It's easy to miss a thing when you've got other things on your mind. But the examples that have been in Shazza's life from from good old Neb, have just been so, so painfully obvious. And I think that's a real warning to us today. 
Our lives are full of opportunities to honour God or not. There are so many opportunities to put God first or not. And we might not get it as totally and completely wrong as Shazza does in this story, but when we're on that road, it is so easy for things to get worse. And I think the, the real issue here is that this isn't just accidental, inadvertent sin. I think this is deliberate sin. And sin is kind of the churchy catch-all term for everything that we do that's outside of God's best, God's plan, God's, God's recommendation for us on Christian living. And so, and so this deliberate sin, this deliberate act of disrespect, this deliberate act of having fun at God's expense carries a weighty cost. And Balshazar is about to pay that weighty cost. He's about to lose it all. Because he's placed himself before God. And this is a wonderful warning to us, a wonderful example of what not to do to us, because it's so easily done. We might not do it to the same magnitude, but actually, any time we do that, this is a great warning to us. And so as we, as we look forward, we then look at the, the fantastic, the excellent example we have in Daniel. You know, some think that Daniel was in his 80s or 90s at this point. He's been around a bit. And I just love the idea of being so faithful to God that you're better at 90 than you were at 50, better at 50 than you were at 30. As we journey with God, as we press into our relationship with God, We've got the opportunity to keep growing and keep improving. And I think sometimes people think that they're going to retire from church or Christian service. They'll get to a point and they'll be done. And actually, I think this is a great example to us that actually we can continue to be God's people. Sons and daughters of God. Faithful followers of God. And for those of us who have been in, adopted into the family of Christ, who have had forgiveness through Christ, which would have been a tremendous freedom for Belshazzar, and, and actually, you know, would he have chosen that? I found myself contemplating. I think Daniel continually chooses God, continually chooses to put him first. And his legacy of faithfulness, his reputation for godliness, his excellent spirit is a great example to us. I think the fact that the, the queen or the queen mother, depending on your translation there, knew to call for Daniel. You know who will know? Oh, Daniel will know. Isn't that who we want to be? We want to be people who have spoken up for God, not just that. God has been observed in our lives, but that we have pledged our lives to God. People know that about us. And when there is a moment of need, when people need more of God in a situation, they turn to us and say, where do we begin? And you see, I wonder how this story might have changed if 
if Belshazzar had immediately thrown himself face down on the ground and cried out to God for forgiveness. He doesn't. His deliberate sin stands. He doesn't turn back from it. I think he might have some sense of what's coming from his fear-stricken state. But that action, that deliberate sin, isn't something that he steps away from. Isn't something that he asks for repentance in. And for us as the people of God, we are constantly aware of the fact that we are asking and seeking God's forgiveness. Finding that forgiveness and then needing to seek it again. Because it's not that we're perfect, it's that we're imperfect, but imperfect increasingly in God's image as we're being conformed into the likeness of Christ, as we're deliberately doing the opposite of sinning, but deliberately turning to God time and again. And actually, I think this is a The character of Daniel is a fantastic example to us, all the more fantastic when we realize that he's living his life in a world where Jesus hasn't come back yet. How much easier, how much better is it for those of us who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, who have welcomed Jesus into our lives, and that's the only prerequisite for God coming into your life, giving your life to Jesus. You then receive God. You receive the Holy Spirit. Your life is transformed, not made perfect by any stretch, but changed. How amazing is it that Daniel has once again sidestepped the accolade that he's being given? How amazing is it that he keeps giving glory to God? How amazing is it that he isn't swept along in the popularity of a moment? Time and again, kings have given him great exaltation, and time and again, he's remembered his purpose. He's remembered that he serves an audience of one. He's focusing on God first. He doesn't forget for a moment who it's all for. And really, I think that is the crux of this story. It's about who you're living for. You know, Belshazzar, Shazza, bless him, has just completely missed the point. He's living for himself. He's setting himself up as more important than God. And when his dad did that with a great big statue, it went wrong. And when his dad put himself first before God and sought to try and do things his way, it went wrong for him time and again. Whereas Daniel, conversely, keeps choosing to put God first and in choosing to put God first, is demonstrating for us a life well lived. You know, he has every opportunity to be swept along in popularity, but keeps coming back to purpose. And so what is this excellent spirit? The passage gives us a great little summary. It talks about his humility. It talks about his character. It talks about when people looked to him, they saw obedience, light, understanding, and a God-given wisdom. 
You see, Daniel's character is on display for us all to see. But so is Belshazzar's. And that's the challenge to us, isn't it? When our character is on display, do we look like Daniel? Or not? You see, Belshazzar has got it wrong time and again. Daniel's got it right time and again. And the critical difference between these two characters seems to be who they're putting first. Where their treasure is. You know, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For Belshazzar, it's clearly the party. It's clearly the kingdom. It's clearly the feast, the friends. It's so easy for one of these things to slip in and become more important to us than God. Whereas the blessing and power of God go with Daniel. And I'm sure that doesn't mean that he doesn't have any friends. I'm sure that doesn't mean that he never eats. I mean, he's got pretty old. He's clearly been to a a party or two, one would think. It's not that he's missed out on these things, but it's that he's put God first. And in doing so, God has honoured him. God has blessed him with wisdom and power. And because of his humble and excellent spirit, he's easy to bless. And so as I was considering this passage, I was thinking, well, as an Old Testament passage, I think it's always really important that we consider these passages in the light of Christ. You see, for us as believers who know Jesus, when we look at the Old Testament, there's fantastic opportunity for reproof, rebuke, the opportunity to be challenged, to think deeply, to consider these passages and to see their good instruction in godly living. But this one in particular, I think, is a fantastic example to us. You see, by by looking at this passage in the light of Christ, there are some character traits I would commend to you as kingdom values, things that I think are important to God. First of all, I think humility is really important to God. In fact, I don't know that you can be a Christian without a measure of humility. You see, humility matters because without humility, we don't put God first. If we don't put God first, we have a tendency to put ourselves first. And then how can we possibly claim to be God's followers? Daniel's incredibly obedient. In fact, next week I've got a great story for you, the last one in this sermon series, about the obedience of Daniel. We see this honour, the the purpose of putting God first, that leads to him just spending time with his heavenly father, with God, the king of heaven and earth. And so this lightness, the understanding, the wisdom, you know, the things that happen when you spend time around somebody who is full of grace, or better yet, the author of grace. 
Honestly, I can't think of a better way of growing in our humility, being more full of the light of Christ, being more full of understanding and God-given wisdom, simply spending time on our knees before God. Very often we want the benefits of Christian living without the practice. Shelby just brought us a really strong challenge this morning. Perhaps you were listening to it and smarting a little bit, thinking, that was a bit strong. But the encouragement there, that it's for our benefit, that he concluded with, I thought was a really good one. When we put God first, when we take the opportunity to grow in our character, our wisdom, to practice grace, to draw close to Christ, to draw close to God, just as Daniel drew close to God, is a wonderful blessing to us, but it's also more than that, isn't it? You know, we don't practice being a Christian just because it's good for us. We don't practice the Lord's Prayer and learn the words, say, your kingdom come, your will be done, just because we want something out of it, but because it's our heart's response to the King of heaven and earth. When we see God's magnitude, his glory, his goodness, he's worthy of our praise. We arrived this morning here in Ainsford in the building and it was grey and cloudy and overcast and I suspect as we make our way home we're going to be rejoicing in the glorious sunshine struck by the wonder of God's creation that something that seems so gloomy can turn into something so gorgeous. Little signs of God's glory litter the earth. Rolling hills crafted by his hand. Life springing forth, growth. God made things so that they grow. Healthy things grow in God's order. And so as we see this passage, we see a great opportunity to reflect on a good example and a bad example. We see a fantastic example to us, an excellent spirit on display. And we see a faith that is in motion, that is always moving forwards. Daniel goes from strength to strength. People are constantly elevating him and promoting him because of who he is in God. And so as we look at this passage, as we consider Daniel's reputation amongst the people of the kingdom, a foreign kingdom, a people that would have no reason to prefer him. In fact, perhaps even have reason not to. This fantastic example and this poor example, literally life in Daniel's case, moving forwards, and in Belshazzar's case, death. You see, in this story, we have those two ultimate realities played out. And sometimes the Bible can feel a bit on the nose, can't it? Someone says, here's a great example, and they say, the wages of sin are death. And choosing God, choosing to put your faith in God, leads to a a more abundant life. Here we see Daniel promoted and Belshazzar murdered. 
not to trip into next week's message, but actually another incredible thing is as the new person comes forward, the new king is set up over this kingdom. He keeps Daniel. He values Daniel as well. How often, how often does the top leader change and they choose to keep the previous guy's advisors? How often do you see a change in the world, whether it's a school, whether it's a big company, a corporation? How often do you see the key leader change and his right-hand guy stick around? You see, Daniel keeps honouring God and God keeps blessing Daniel. And for us, I'm sure that God's grace and mercy, his favour and faithfulness, just as they're on display in Daniel's life, I'm sure that's God's plan for us too. You see, God's building his kingdom, and it's a kingdom unlike the kingdom we hear about in this story that changes hands, that moves forwards, that goes from one mistake to the next. It's a perfect kingdom. It's a king who remains on the throne. And it's a kingdom, it's a kingdom that you want to be a part of, that you need to be a part of. And in Christ, you can be a part of. And the amazing thing about Christ is whether you've had a week and you feel more like Belshazzar than Daniel or perhaps you feel more like Daniel increasingly and that's what you're really working on, we know that we all fall short of God's glory. And so that gift of Jesus, the gift of Jesus to us, is the opportunity for our story not to end as Belshazzar's does, but to choose again and again to come back to God, to put him first, and to be more like Daniel. Well, if you'll permit me, I'm going to pray for us and we'll, we'll wrap up there this morning and welcome the guys back up to close out and worship for us in just a minute. But perhaps I can pray that for us this morning that we would take Daniel and Belshazzar and the two respective life lessons that we have on display and that we might choose a little more fully to live like Daniel. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your example. We thank you for the example of Daniel's life and we thank you for the warning of Belshazzar's. Father, we thank you that your kingdom is established by your perfect judgment, your righteous judgment. And while, yes, that does mean that we will be judged, we thank you for the author and perfecter of our faith in Christ. We thank you for a wonderful example, an excellent spirit in Daniel. And we thank you that our purpose is secure in you. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. We ask for more of you, more of your leading, more of your grace, more of your goodness. 
And Father, as we seek to put you first, help us to more fully know your goodness, your leading, and your friendship. We want to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen.